0: We're starting a new series tonight, and it's a series that we're going to journey for seven talks. There are seven talks in this series, and they all are found in the first 11 verses of John chapter 15. If you like picking apart Scripture, you're going to love this series. Because literally tonight, we're going to talk about the first five words of verse 1, and that's as far as we're going to go tonight. And so we're going to be digging in for some of you that are just like, I got to get more. I, here you go. You're getting a seven week series. Here's the thing about what going, we're going to be talking about. You don't need to know last week in order to jump into this week, if that makes sense. So uh, just know that we're diving in uh, pretty quick, starting in John chapter 15. So I want to ask you a question. Do you have attachment issues? Yes, yes or no? Yes. yes. I agree. I think we all have attachment issues, right? And we attach ourselves to, oh, so many things, right? Um, Okay. In a moment of sheer transparency and confession, all right? In this mere moment, I'm going to count to three and I want every one of you to say what's the one thing you're most attached to in your life. And we'll all say it out loud so nobody really hears it all together. But anyway, does that make sense? So in a... Think about it. Some of you are like, okay, I I wasn't ready to answer that question, but now I am. Think about in your life, what are you attached to the most? You ready? One, two, three. My Jeep. That's really great. Y'all heard everything that I said, right? gum microphone. (laughs) So what did I say? Yeah, my Jeep. All right. So I'm attached. I have a Jeep. And right now it's a sad day for Steve because my Jeep is in the shop. And it's been in the shop for the past six days. And we had an incredible weekend. Like I wanted to take the top down the doors off and run around and go down to the you know, river and watch the sunset with my family. And I could do it. I'm attached to my Jeep. The Lord has been teaching me about my attachment issues, right? Hey, we all have attachment issues. And here's the thing. Here's the question I want all of us to think about when it comes to our attachment issues. Does it really overrun our life? If that issue, if that attachment was drawn away from you for whatever reason, what effect would it have on your life? Depression. Depression. (laughs) All right, let's be honest, all right? Um, If it has such a huge effect on your life that whatever you pull yourself away from that attachment, that you can't live without it, it's probably not the right attachment to have. Here's the thing, all of us, all of us have this tendency to long for the thing that will satisfy us the most. We pursue this, we go after it, we'll do everything we possibly can to crave it, we'll do whatever we can to have it in our life all the time. And that creates issues in our life, right? When that attachment dominates us so much that that's the only thing that we can think about. I love what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse one, because he challenges the attachment issues of all of his listeners. He's challenging you and me on what are the things that you are attaching your life to? What are the things that you are pursuing? What are the things you're spending your money on? What are the things that's got your attention? What's the thing on your social feed that you follow the most? He is challenging all of those things. And he challenges all of us to dig deep and to realize that maybe, just maybe, you're attaching yourself to a fake vine that will only last temporarily. It will never last eternally. And so here I am. I'm declaring God's word to you as clearly as I possibly can. Over the next seven weeks, we're going to challenge that thought. All seven talks. And we're going to understand what does it mean to abide in Christ. So let's look at John chapter 15. I want everybody to find it in your Bible or in your Bible app. We also have it on the screen for you. But John chapter 15, and we'll start in verse 1. If you have it, say, oh yeah. If you need more time, say, hold up, brother. Okay, there's a lot of y'all. Y'all need to hustle. Come on. John chapter 15. Oh, you just wanted to say that, right? Okay. All right, here it is. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. He starts out in a powerful way in this passage. There's so much truth here. And like Grace said, it's one of the six I am statements. And it's the last one that Jesus says before he heads to the cross. I'll kind of paint the picture for the context here in just a minute. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it. So that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself but must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. An identity statement right there. The one who remains in me and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me he can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown away like a branch and dries up. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I can't wait till we get to that verse, y'all. That's gonna be good. Just as the father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Y'all, that is truth city in those 11 verses that are right here. So let me explain kind of the idea, the, the context of what's going on. Oh, on a side note, how many of you are doing a here journal right now? If you, if you know what I'm talking about, a here journal, H-E-A-R. I have structured this talk just like that. We highlighted the verse, I'm gonna explain it, I'm gonna apply it, and we're gonna respond. All right? So I've, I've structured this talk exactly like that so all of us can follow along. Does it make sense? How cool is that? All right. So I just highlighted the verse, uh, let's explain it. All right? John chapter 15 is in the last kind of discord that Jesus makes as he is journeying to the cross. It starts in chapter 13 when he invites his disciples up to the upper room and he says, hey, we're, let's go have a dinner together. And it's the last supper. He w- starts by washing the feet of the disciples. How many of you remember that story? They're eating dinner at that time. He takes off the robe. He puts, gets down on one knee and he starts washing the feet. And that's when it starts that Jesus starts this last discord before he gets to the cross. And as they get to chapter 14-ish, there's this incident that happens at the table that kind of rocks the world of all the disciples. And it's this moment when Judas betrays Jesus. It's the moment when Judas dips his hand in the dish at the same time that Jesus does. Y'all remember this? And, and Jesus looks at him and says, What thou doest this do quickly? And Judas runs out of the room. At this point, the evil one had taken over him and he was off to sell him out for so many pieces of silver. Right? And Judas is headed out. And this tragic moment when one of the 12 gets up from the table and leaves the room. This is very key to understanding chapter 15 when Jesus says, I am the true vine. And he uses this word abide. And then we get into chapter 15. And Jesus makes this statement about a vine. Now this vine statement, this very first thing, the very first five words of this chapter 15 is so power packed and is so meaningful that many times when we read over that, we think, oh, it's just a vine. Like the picture, it's just a vine. But what Jesus is saying is so much more than just a picture of a vine. He's talking about the identity of the people that he's talking to. Oh, this gets so good. And so as you, as you hear Jesus say these statements, that I am the true vine, I'm going to unpack it a lot of it for you tonight, just so you can understand what is he trying to say and what does that mean for me. And so you have here this word abide. And it, depending on the translation you use, the NIV uses the word abide specifically. But if you look in other translations, what's another word that they use for abide? Anybody look there? Stay or remain. How many of you have remain in your Bible? That word remain. Okay? So the word abide literally means, giving you the definition, the first blank there, the word abide literally means to remain. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here. (laughs) I want you to hear this in the context of what Jesus is saying. When he says, remain, he's talking to the 11. He's not talking to the 12. He's talking to the 11 when he says, stay right here. Stay right here. Don't move. Don't be like Judas, overtaken by the evil one and leave. This is what Jesus is saying to his 11, that they had just witnessed Judas get up and leave. Like, betray him. He's going to betray Jesus right now. And Jesus knows exactly what's happening. He is full aware of what's happening. And so he simply looks at the remaining 11 and he says, abide. Don't just abide in the presence of this room, but abide in me. Don't go anywhere. In other words, Jesus said, don't leave me. But it's not a don't leave me like physically. It's a spiritual meaning. It's a deep meaning. It's a a connected meaning. That Jesus is saying, don't run from me. Don't be a Judas. Don't get up and leave. Good Lord, y'all. Please tell me this is speaking to somebody. Like, when I was digging in on this, I was like, good Lord, this is so good. I hope that there are believers in this room that would hear this word right here. That you would hear Jesus speaking into you right now. Saying, don't leave me. You're being tempted by so many things. Don't leave me. Abide. Y'all, that's what this whole series is about. The next seven weeks are all about that word, abide. How do we remain steadfast to Jesus? How do we not go anywhere? Because that's not what we're about. We don't need to be going anywhere. We don't need to be entertaining other things. We need to stay. We need to remain. We need to remain steadfast to Jesus and Jesus alone. That's where amen inserts, right? There was one in amen. Can I get an amen in the house? The amen, all right. By the way, I really like it when you do that. I preach louder and faster and all the things. Okay, Um, so the word remain is mentioned 10 times in these 11 verses, 10 times. So Jesus is making a bigger statement than just, hey, remain in me. Like he says it over and over and over and over. He says it 10 times. And the reason why he says it 10 times is because he's making a point. Usually when a communicator says something more than once or when your teacher says something more than once, what do you do? You write it down, right, in your notes. Just what Jesus is saying, remain, remain in me. And he explains to his disciples what that really means. He talks about bearing fruit. He uses this analogy of a vine and being connected and not being connected. And what happens when you are attached to him and when you are, when you're not attached to him. And then he ends it in verse 11 by saying, it's a joyful thing. Your life can be full of joy if you remain in me. That's something that Jesus promises that the world cannot. True joy. Ooh, that's a good one right there. Somebody, uh, That's tweetable. All right. Um, so let's talk about the vines. Why did Jesus use the word, I am the true vine? Because it meant a lot to the Jews back then. And here's the reason why I'm going to explain it to you. In the Old Testament, the nation of Israel was described as a vine. The nation of Israel is those that crossed the Red Sea, wandered in the desert for 40 years because they walked in disobedience. Then they had a promised land. Joshua moved them into the promised land. And the whole nation of Israel was... (laughs) It, 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 for, to use the word train wreck was probably is, is to use it lightly. Because honestly, Israel was roaming the desert because of their disobedience. They really did not follow Jesus or didn't follow God exactly the way they should have. And the Israelites made, pro, they made promises and broke those promises and made bad choices and followed those bad choices. And it was just literally the wandering of the Israelite nation. And God uses... The illustration uses the word vine to describe them. And so in Scripture, you see that there are three different types of vine. The first vine is a vine of the past. A vine of the past. And I'm going to show it to you. A vine of the past. In Isaiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, this is what it says. Let me sing now for the beloved a song, my beloved, about his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it all around, clearing its stones, and planted it, in the choicest, uh, planted it with the choicest vine. And he built a tower in the middle of it. And he carved it out of, that, out of a wine vat in it. Then he expected it to produce good grapes, but produced only worthless ones. He's talking about the nation of Israel. What I intended for good, it didn't end up good. They produced worthless grapes. And now, you inhabitants of Jerusalem and the people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done it, that have not done in it? Why? When I expected it to produce good grapes, did it produce worthless ones? That's a question. So now let me tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it will be consumed. I will break down its wall. And it'll be trampled ground, y'all. It that doesn't sound very good, does it? That Jesus or that God would say that the nation of Israel is like a vine that I intentionally put them in a choicest vineyard. It might the best of the best. Like I gave you the promised land, but when you came into the promised land, it, you didn't produce good fruit. That's what God's saying here. Jeremiah two. 21 says it this way. Yet I planted you as a choice vine, a completely faithful seed. Planted you there. How then, how then have you turned yourself before me into a degenerate shoots of a foreign vine? Wow. The vine of the past was not known for good fruit. Do you me to say that again? The vine of the past, the Israelite nation of the past... Was not known for good fruit. When Jesus says that I am the true vine, that statement was very familiar to the Jews. They very they understood what that meant because here's the reason: is because they identified themselves, the nation of Israel, as the choice vine. They thought, "I'm a good thing, right? I'm an Israelite. I'm a Jew. Like I, I'm, I'm a good thing." I'm a part of a good thing. I'm a part of the heritage. I'm the chosen one. Rah, rah, re. That's the mentality that the Jews had back in those days. And Jesus is standing in the front of his disciples who know this as well, and simply says, all of those vines of the past, those are no good. And when I tell you that I am the true vine, I'm not the fake vine. I'm the true vine. He's speaking in the face of all the heritage that these Israelites and the Jews had known. Because here's the reality, is that that whole nation had put their identity in their heritage and not in their God. They put all of their identity, they put all of their hope in being known as a Jew, but not knowing the God that placed them there. And when Jesus says that I am the true vine, he's simply saying, uh, that's a fake one. That's a fake one. The one that you've believed for so long, you have put your hope and your stake in, that, that's a fake one. You've had your hopes in the wrong place. And I want you to understand who I am as the true vine. So that's the vine of the past. And then, oh, I'm starting to preach. This is good. Um, the vine of the future. The vine of the future. That's the next one. At the end of days, God uses this same analogy again. He uses this analogy of a vine once again. And this time, it's at the very end of the book. It's in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 14, 14 through 20. Then I looked and behold a white cloud and sitting on the cloud was one like the son of man with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Uh Uh-oh. And another angel came out of the temple, calling out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, put in your sickle and reap for the hour to reap has come because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Uh Uh-oh, there's that analogy. Then he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth and the earth was reaped. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Then the, uh, another angel, and the one who has power over fire, came out from the altar and he called out in a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth because her grapes are ripe. This is where it, it gets... Sad. So the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters and the vine of the earth and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and the blood came out from the winepress up to the horse's bridle for a distance of 160, I don't know that word, stadia. 100 miles. I'm reading New York. Okay. Do you see what happened there? The earth was a vine. A heritage. A people who had put their hope in a heritage. And what happened? The sickle went across the earth and what did it do? It cut them all down. And a great judgment that happened. And all of those grapes were thrown into the winepress, they were thrown away and squished. That's a very visual image, isn't it? Y'all, it wasn't good for the Jews at the end of days. It wasn't good for all of those who had put their hope in their heritage and not in their God. And once again, God using this analogy of a vine, how it's gonna teach us about the vine of the future or, or the present that's the next one the future the next one is the vine of the present and this is where jesus steps in jesus steps into our present and he simply says in john 15:1, god bless you wow that was that was an event back there i am the true vine jesus says i am the true vine And when he says that I am the true vine, he is making a statement to all the Jews that simply says, quit putting your faith and your hope and your heritage. Put it in me. Don't attach yourself there. Attach yourself to me. Y'all, here's the truth of this. There are a lot of fake vines out there. A lot of fake vines. Back then for the Jews, their fake vine was their heritage it wasn't God. For us, for us, we attach ourselves to different vines too. The vine of acceptance, the vine of approval, the vine of sexual identity, the vine of, can I keep going? Do you want me to keep going? Anxiety. These vines that are all around us, we attach ourselves to these things. The the vine of your phone. You feel like that's your connection. We have all of these vines in our culture. And do you know what vine to connect yourself to? Do you know what the wise one is? Do you know what's right? Do you know what's wrong? Have you even asked the question, or are you just going with the flow of whatever feels good? I think that feels good. I think I'll attach myself to that vine. Oh, that one looks good. It's nice and shiny and new. It's got all the latest trends and fads, and I'll attach myself to that. Maybe it's a fashion. Maybe it's a way of life. We attach ourselves to so many vines. And I want to ask you the question, do you know who the true vine is? Do you know who it is? Jesus makes a powerful statement in the middle of our present day. in saying, I am the true vine. And if you're going to attach yourself to anything, might you consider me? Because my joy will be made complete in you. And that is a promise that Jesus makes from the very beginning of this whole conversation. And so here you are, the vine of the present. So, Warned Wearsby, who is a really good commentator. He's a guy that studies scripture a lot better than anybody in this room. He puts it this way He says, Our union with Christ is a living union so we may bear fruit. It's a loving union so that we may enjoy Him. And it's a lasting union so that we may not be afraid. Here's what I love. What Warren Wiersbe is saying is that the union or the attachment that we have for Jesus is lasting, it's loving, and it's going to be, be there forever. It's, uh, oh, it's living, it's loving, and it's lasting. It's active for today. It's full of love that everybody wants. And it's a lasting thing that will last the rest of our lives. Jesus promises something that nothing else, nobody else can promise. Unconditional love. Hope, peace, joy, all the things. We're going to talk about that in the next couple weeks. Here are two takeaways and then I'm done. You ready? Two takeaways and I'm done. Number one, there are fake vines. Can I get an amen? amen? There are fake vines. And many of you have attached yourself to a fake vine. And I pray over the next few weeks, I pray. That you'll evaluate the vines in your life. Who are you connected to? What are you connected to? I hope you really take a hard look at that because not all vines in this world are worthy of our attention. They're not. They don't satisfy us eternally like Jesus does. They may satisfy us all for just a short time, it may make us feel good for just a few moments but it never lasts forever. The coming of a fad, the coming of a trend, whether it be the latest TikTok dance or whether it may be the latest social media app or whatever, the new latest, greatest thing, we attach ourselves to that. We make our identity in that. Some of us want to be an influencer so bad. And so you'll do anything and everything to get the likes and get the, the views. We attach ourselves to those kinds of things. And y'all, those are things that are fake. And then the world glorifies those things. They glorify it to make it something that everybody ought to pursue, right? But is it right? Is it true? Is it honorable? Is it noble? Is it all of these things that are worthy of my attention? And I would challenge you, I would say no. Oh, you can be a part of those things. You can be connected to Jesus, but they don't influence you. The influence comes, and we're gonna talk about being connected to the vine. The influence comes, and our life source comes from Jesus, not from all this other stuff. To be known, our desire, I, I put it this way our conquest is to be known, is a fake vine. Our desire to be liked is a fake vine. Our pursuit of first place is a fake vine. Sexual pleasure, a fake vine, especially outside the bounds of marriage. Identity based on feeling or preference is a fake vine. And the evil one wants to break you off of the true vine. He's going to do everything he possibly can to put fake vines in front of you. Because the one thing the evil one doesn't want is for you to be attached to the true vine. Takeaway number two, and I'll wrap things up Jesus is the real vine. I know some of you, this is a far out concept for you. You have never even thought that this would even be true or could be true of you. Can I make Jesus my real vine? How do I do that? I'm glad you asked. I hope in the next few weeks you'll keep coming and you start asking yourself that question. How do I connect myself, attach myself, abide in Christ and Christ alone? What does that look like for me? And I pray over the next couple of weeks that you'll discover that. But here's the thing. In John 10.10, 10, John, uh, Jesus promises a life full of abundance, overflowing. He also promises in John 14.6 that I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is life in Jesus. And it's a life that none of the other vines can handle. There's a life in Jesus Try Jesus, y'all. Just see what happens. Give him your life and see what happens. Hope, peace, love, eternal life, joy. And that's the joy part gets me fired up. I can't wait till week seven because that's how we end it. We end it in understanding what true joy is because in abiding in Christ, we discover what joy really is. Because here's here's my thought about all of us in this room. We all want that. I think every one of us in this room wants satisfaction and you want to find joy. What makes you happy? And here's the thing, joy is not happiness. Joy goes much deeper than superficial happy. It goes way deeper. And y'all in the next couple of weeks, we're gonna understand what does fruit look like? How do I um, remain in him? How do I stay connected? There's so much truth that's in these first 11 verses, and I can't wait for us to unpack it week after week after week. So, that's week one. I'm done. <laughs> Whatever. You boys in the back. Hey. Either you're clapping because the time is up, or you're being sarcastic. Um, Here's the thing. Are you connected to Jesus? Because for us to really unpack what it means to abide, we need to know who or what are we abiding in right now. What are you pursuing in your life? What are you attached to in your life that you feel like is meaningful? But maybe tonight, for the moment, you're realizing there'll be the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You're realizing in this moment, oh, but wait, there's Jesus. Oh, but wait, this guy, Steve, is up there talking about Jesus, the one true life. I don't know what that is. Some of you may be pursuing drugs as your satisfaction. You may be pursuing sex, believing that the sexual pleasure is all that you need and crave in life. Maybe some of you are struggling with identity, even questioning your sexual identity. Maybe some of you are really struggling with anxiety, full of fear that it's washing out your faith. And y'all, there are so many things that we are allowing to detach us from the one true vine. And we have pursued all of these things that in in the world would say, and even the believer in what Bible would say, would be sinful brokenness. We've done everything we can to, because of our brokenness in our own life, we have tried to pursue all of these different things, these different fake vines. And Jesus has come and said, no, I am the true vine. If anyone would come after me, if anyone would surrender their heart and their life to me. I can be the one that would make you complete and whole again.